Hello and welcome to the Motor Cult Podcast, episode 70. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Hello there. How are you I, doing this fine Saturday? I have a tiny beer. You do? That is actually really adorable. Let's uh, uh, point it out there. This one, one. Yep. Know, compared to my hand. It's very <laughs> small. Um, <laughs> if you are listening to the podcast and not one of our five Twitch streamers or whatever we have, we have a whopping five right now, actually. <laughs> you can, yeah, you'll, you don't know how big it is, but it is about the size how of How many ounces is it, actually? Um, 8.9. So eight. it's actually not that much reduced from a... It's a half can. It's a, okay. Normal cans are 16, so... Um, no, well, I thought normal cans are 12. I thought they were 16. I don't know. Anyway. Like this um, kind of can? Yeah. I think these are 12, right? I think they're 16. Uh, does cool say? 12. Yeah. 355 Okay, ML. disregard then. Anyway. Uh, oh, a tall boy. Tall boy is a 16. That's how it's We're fucking dumb. Oh, anyway. There's my one F-bomb. Great. Got it out of the way. Okay. <laughs> that, there goes one of my stories. Um, <laughs> Damn. Sorry. Oh, well. We won't know what Volkswagen said. Um, <laughs> Again, we each get one. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay. I get one. And then yeah, we... I don't want to take it away from you. So, um, it's from Abel Brewery. Um, Abel's fantastic. They're in Northeast Minneapolis. If you haven't been there, go. Mm-hmm. Um... I have a customer at work who has an Audi A3, and he's a what beer, engine? Two uh, OT, and he's a beer rep. And he works at Abel. Anyway, to help him out, I told him you know I had to help him out with the pricing and stuff, and he was so thankful. He gave me a ton of beer. And this so, isn't the first time, is it? No, this isn't the first time. This well, the other guy worked at um, at Bauhaus. Oh, I gotcha. But uh, no, this guy, this guy, he gave me a couple of bottles uh, last time I was. Last time he was in, but this time he went, really went above and beyond and just gave me like a case of beers. It was fantastic. Very nice. Um, and he was like 48 cans. One might say very fine. Yeah, very fine. <laughs> very anyway, fine, thanks. What this is, is it is a double brown ale made with uh, Abel and Animalis Brewing uh, barbecue smoked rye malt. That sounds really good. It could either and be super good or super terrible. That's the thing. Just before the podcast, I read the can, and I read the rye malt. Yeah. And typically, when I hear that kind of thing, I'm like, ooh, I'm not sure if that's going to be good. But it's well, just like what you said. It's either going to be really good or totally Really not. bad. It's got 34 IBU, and it's a 7.9 alcohol. The IBU is the saver, I think. 34 yeah. IBU is pretty low. Yeah, that is. I mean, th- that's a pretty happy medium, you know. It's low, but you can still get some of the hoppiness. I wonder what this can looks like naked. It's just wrapped in a label instead of screen printed. I'm going to go ahead and say probably like bare aluminum. Cool. I want to see that. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to crack mine open. Sounds and good. Try it. A tiny can Excellent. sounds the same as a big can. <laughs> oh, T-I-L. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should get a tall boy uh, Nordeast out of the fridge and make sure that sounds the same, too. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your next beer. All right, That'd so let's hilarious. try this. Its head <laughs> smells like. Does beer actually? Oh yeah, okay. It does kind of smell a little bit more like a stout almost than a brown ale. I could see that. I mean, yeah, the the rye and the the CO two or whatever coming up through your nostrils stings your nose hairs. I'm guessing by the nodding that it the, is, it was it's, like a, it's passable. That that Wayne's World 
nod of approval. All right, all right. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty crunchy, bro. No, this is actually really good. I mean, Excellent. It also goes very well at Taco Bell. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we ate some McDonald's on the way down here, so clearly we're all fueled mm, on success actually, and winning. That, I actually really like that a lot. Well, fabulous. It's a double brown ale, which means it kind of tastes like a... Don't tell Modi. It, yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm sorry. I should turn off my phone. That's right. It happened to me already, too. It almost kind of tastes like a porter a little bit. This hasn't gone well. I'm looking forward to cracking this open and trying it. Once you it's stop, also adorable. Once you stop mucking about with the label. No. Yeah, well, yes. Yes. Just that. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I guess we'll ta- hop right into topics. I've got just a quick one I, t- I want to touch on before you get the first one here. Sure. Um, the new Supra. We've actually heard a sound clip yes, of it Yes, I did too. So that. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, we won't bore people actually going into... Well, I think it kind of sounds like uh, M3. <laughs> well, that's kind of weird you should mention that because the engine is very close to the M2 engine. Yeah, it, it, so... it sounds like an M2, M3, BMW straight right. six. But I mean, the, I, the article I saw kind of follow up this news was why does the Jay-Z series six-cylinder sound so much like a BMW? And they went through it. I'm like, it's a straight six. It's, it's got the, the same like other, firing order. It's yeah. the other way around. Why does the BMW sound so much like a 2J series? Well, the BMW engines were around a lot longer than the J-series engines. The two-liter, or the, the dual-verd cam turbo? BMW didn't make a dual-verd cam turbo until 2007. That's what I mean. But they're saying it sounds like the the old... Anyway, it doesn't matter. But No, the Jay-Z sounds like the... The BMW sounds like the Jay-Z. Not the right, Harry. but all the BMW engines have pretty much sounded the same since 1981. So, Anyway, I, I won't play the video for also, you, the but J- if you want to hear it, just The Jay-Z, it. it was technically a little bit older than that. Uh, yeah, I suppose the 1J started in 89 or something? I think something like that, yeah. Okay. Either way. Sometimes I wish I'd been from Japanese nostalgic car in a Pokeball. In your pocket. Oh, like in a Pokeball, so you just like, throw it and have him answer whatever God. weird question I have. I don't know if I'd want to summon him like that. That seems kind of scary. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, I'm excited to see that car. I mean, the fact that... It sounds yeah, really good. It, it's an auto only, but again, we've been over this. We can totally fix that with BMW parts bin parts. Not only that, I feel like they'll make a manual as well. I'm um, sure they will. It's just like the F-Type and the... What are the other ones? Um, the, that's the, the big one. It, yeah, but, I mean, the GTR, they never made a manual, but right. the GTR is also automatic and it's trying to like... That, that car is very clinical. That thing was trying to be a supercar, though. It's a, it, yeah, it's a sports car being a supercar, yeah. Right, which is why it's auto only. Like, oh, we don't want it, you to mess up its dynamics. Yeah, whereas this one, um, we also had the uh, French Frog of Frugality that was uh, leading the company. Say the that time. one fast three times. I know, right? French Frog of Frugality, French <laughs> Frog of Frugality, French Frog of Frugality. Okay, fine. I guess it, you can do it. There was a, a reader on Japanese nostalgic car called Carl Scone, the French Frog of Frugality. And I'm like, this is perfect. It was Chet Manley that said that. Which, that sounds like one of your many aliases. Maybe. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. I've, I've heard that some automotive journalist will sometimes make an alter ego so they can comment uh, on, on things I mean, and I not get in trouble would. with OEMs. <laughs> I absolutely would not do that, but some do that. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Oh, also, it's hard to tell. I've turned all the lights on very festive red and green in here, but you can't even tell in the video stream, mainly because we still have the one white one. Yeah, get rid of that. All right, I'm working on it. I'm on it. You get um, your story. I'll fix the lights. Okay, on that bombshell. You can't now, bombshell in an intro. Just on do your... Now it's time <laughs> for my story, which I previously alluded to, where Volkswagen dropped the F-bomb. 
Uh, there's a vol- apparently a Volkswagen or some that we don't know at this point in time because this might have happened more than once. Was reprogrammed to say, "Welcome, fuck of USA." Uh... Now it could. It was obviously a typo. I'm not sure if it's supposed to say "f off USA" or call the person a "f of the USA." I'm now out of f bombs because Burger took mine. <laughs> no, again, we each get one, but you can't use mine regularly. So, but anyway, so um, well, this is the thing. Obviously, Volkswagen did not do this, but they ship right. these on container ships. Uh oh. So is probably somebody that's on the container ship with this car for like a month with nothing to do. <laughs> and so he went in and like knew the how to like program it because you can do that through the menus. It's not like Richard's car where he had to actually like make a separate like circuit board to say insert coin oh okay i've seen okay i've seen like the vip taillights that do insert coin that's pretty cool yeah you know the little led just like display they have in the center of all roads yeah, yeah. on richard's oh Richard yeah you're telling me yeah, about that insert yeah. coin. but anyway so uh no now Volkswagen just lets you do that like you can go through like like 1800 pages of menus and eventually get to it Oh, I mean that's cool that they let you do it, but that seems like kind of a. I don't think it's actually. Is that just that to many. stop people from doing it accidentally? No, it's just like a, a such a tertiary little thing they don't really care about. It's just buried in some menus. I like tertiary as a word. <laughs> it's a it great makes word. me think of uh, Star Trek, though. That is true. Seven of nine tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix zero one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So this is a thing. Is Volkswagen doesn't know who did it. They don't know where in the production process this was done, and they don't know how many other cars this was done too. Excellent. They caught this one beforehand, but well, hopefully a bunch of them got out. All it then. all it takes is one technician doing a half-ass PDI to get that car in the sales floor to say, "Welcome, fuck of USA." I'm very excited. <laughs> and I know a lot of technicians that are PDI techs, and oh, they are yeah. extremely lazy people. Of course they are. They because, do the bare minimum. Yeah, well, the, a so PDI, why wouldn't you? The PDI pays, like, I think, like, 0.3 or something. And you can, Does that include, like, taking out those rubber puck spacers on the springs and all that kind of junk, no, no, too? No, 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 Oh, okay. But uh, you can get it done about, like, 0.1, maybe 0.15. And so, like, you can get it done. At, like So they'll give, like, technicians, like, 15 PDIs, and they'll... To like, they'll pull all the plastic off before they pull sure. it in the shop. Yep. Then they'll put the fuse in for um, the uh, interior dome lights. Oh, weird! I that, didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, they pull that fuse on it. Why? Um, at least on Subarus they do, uh, because otherwise, yeah, if the door's stuck open for months on end. Right. I guess I see yeah. that, but so I'm surprised that they can't just do that in coding. Well, yeah, you would think, but do- um. Sorry, do Volkswagens have the uh, the mode like BMWs do, where it's a uh, transit mode for the odometer? I don't know, because BMWs they don't accrue mileage until it gets to the dealer. That's kind of cool. No, I'm I don't know if Volkswagen does. I know Subaru doesn't. <laughs> I remember a story on Reddit. Somebody had a, an F10 5 Series, the like 2011 to 2015 or whatever, mm-hmm. and the trip showed 9,000 miles on it, and the odometer read four miles because somebody hadn't turned off the transit mode. That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, so. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a great way to preserve your warranty. Exactly. Like, I, I can actually re-enable that with my software, but I'm not going to because that seems really dirty. That's super dirty. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, so it just takes one technician not doing their job to have some old lady have a heart attack when she turns on her car. 
Yeah, that's a bit worrying. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I say worrying? I meant funny. Because Volkswagen mm. is nothing but bad PR, and all they need is more bad PR. So they try to pollute our world, and then they try to kill us, and they try to rob us, and now they're saying, literally saying F you to us. Like, what more do you need to not like Volkswagen? Eh, anyway. It happened. Um, that, that that's all I need to talk about. Fair enough. That one. That one's that one is pretty short and simple. I yeah, thought it was hilarious. Nothing so. wrong with short topics. I should also good. mention that I got that story from Jalopnik, uh, Jason Torshinsky. You're always welcome on our show. I think you are hilarious, and you make you make my poops entertaining. I probably agree. I don't know if I don't actually read many stories, but I think most of the Jalopnik stuff I read is pretty good. Usually, when I read stuff on Jalopnik, it's when I'm pooing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the perfect iPad website. As we've gone over, so you know, maybe we I should um, reference pooping in the new name for the motor cult blog, pooping cult, or just like find a bunch of like really fancy synonyms for like the, excretion. The pooping driver. That's actually a really. What about good. the dumping driver? <laughs> the dumping driver. <laughs> That's actually not Perfect. bad. I like that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't looked at the uh, the list of names for a while. We should probably actually get around to finishing that at some point. But yeah, let's do it. Um, I don't know, sometime uh, maybe before next New Year. Yeah. Oh okay. shoot! What day is New Year's Eve? I was gonna say, am I even gonna be around next Saturday? I hope so. Oh sh- shoot! We haven't done the um, we oh, haven't Mark done the awards. We we haven't done the uh, Modi Award. Yeah. Uh, I also won't be around until Monday. Of this coming week. Okay. Well, so we either have to drop 71 on that Saturday and not do a Wednesday episode this week. Uh, we can talk about it after Yeah, podcast, we'll figure that out later. Either way, uh, if you're listening, we will probably only have two episodes over the course of the next two weeks. Yes. Oops. Sorry. It's the holidays. You probably didn't expect us to go that whole Yeah, it's not your work or anything. <laughs> or if you do, get a new job. <laughs> Seriously, heard us find some other good podcasts. They, they do exist. We are not the only good one. Yeah, I heard uh, Adam Carolla Carcast is pretty good. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't subscribed to that one. He but really needs to trademark to... that name, by the way. Yeah, I, I was surprised when I looked into the trademark registry and it wasn't trademarked. Yeah, what the heck, Adam Carolla? But <laughs> it doesn't necessarily matter if it's trademarked if you use it for a while first. Because if you start using it and you brand yourself as such, then it's almost as good as having it trademarked. So. Yeah, it's he's had that for like 10 years, but I mean, still... He should do that. On that note, I suppose I'll get to the next one here. Uh, remember when we talked about those 3D printed HRE wheels a few weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now Bugatti is testing a 3D printed brake caliper, which is pretty cool because this allows you to do a lot of stuff that you can't normally do with a one-piece caliper. Because normally these things are either made in two pieces and bolted together with seals to create you know, the various really shallow... Uh, pistons and all that kind of stuff or you could have a monoblock but then your tooling has to actually come up inside the gap in the void where your pads normally are and that kind of limits you on what you can do for the bores and then cutting all the uh, um, the pathways and the capillaries for the brake fluid so this is really really interesting to me um, we have a, a photo and video of it being stress tested we probably won't show the video this is a motor authority uh, story here but um, I am really looking forward to metal 3D printed parts coming like in a in a ubiquitous way just to kind of uh, I'm curious what that's going to do for the cost effective. It I mean it's going to be incredible. I mean you could you could theoretically be at home get a $5 digital caliper and some basic modeling software and you could you could send out enough measurements where a company could just make you a set of big brakes for your car and well, mail I them was, to you. I was thinking more like in the term of like the aftermarket. 
That's and what I mean. Like it's gonna cut shipping costs immensely. Well, you're not gonna three D print at home though. That's the thing. I mean, not for a long time. I mean, well, at some point you will. Well, yeah, but, I mean, but metal it's gonna be a while because that takes like the plasma laser heated metal shavings. So no, once if you have a three a metal three D printer somewhere in your area, that's gonna be really cool because you're gonna have right. um, you know, instead of having to ship like. Something uh, I'm trying to think of something you would 3D print a turbocharger maybe sure yeah. yeah instead of having to ship your heavy ass turbocharger across the country well and not only that it's the packaging around it and yeah. the volume efficiency because like you could just put 15 tons of this metal powder on a train and then forklift it through one delivery truck and bring it and then you could print you know a thousand turbos with that and then just pick it up locally with none of the packaging none of the waste none of the recycle so I agree I think that's a really good point. Yeah, so I, I think that's going to be really awesome for the aftermarket. Of course, by the time that's a regular thing, we're going to be dealing with just electric cars. Yeah, but, but I'm sure they'll be still need parts. wheel bearings. <clears throat> yeah, and they still go through brake pads occasionally, and you could make like stronger axle shafts and things like that. I mean, electric cars are still going to need performance parts. Well, I'm, it's not like we're going to stop having performance ICE tuning. <laughs> we're we're like only going to get more and more performance stuff as time goes on, whether it's electric or internal combustion. Excuse me, or something else entirely. It doesn't really matter. That's but true. I am I'm really excited to see that these are actually to the point where they're commercially viable for any brand. I mean, obviously, the Bugatti is a pretty high-end value proposition. HRE wheels are probably the most expensive wheels on the market. So, I mean, oh, these are... Be, yeah. They're yeah. insane. And, I mean, not everyone's going to be able to afford this now. But as this sort of thing keeps happening and the technology gets better and less expensive and we find cheaper ways of doing all this... Yeah, I'm I'm really excited because <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but I mean, you could literally make anything you want with a lot less skill. No, it's it's super cool. I mean, what we've already seen with um, 3D printing already is great. So I wish my 3D printer worked. Damn it! Why doesn't it work? Uh, I think it's because of me. I think it's user error. But like, it'll print. It's like it comes with a a little demo piece you can print or whatever, and it does that just fine. But then I import an STL that I made, which checks out fine in the software. Yeah. And the first thing my 3D printer does is the head just goes and jams itself into the build floor, like over and over <laughs> again. I'm like, what? The? It just like I let it run one time, and it just like it scraped the crap out of the build floor, and like it just it made this big filament oval. I'm just <laughs> like, what did I do? <laughs> like clearly the tooling pathway is just really, really wrong. But anyway, you don't want somebody like me running a 3D printer. I this guess. is what we call Blake problem. Yeah, I was friend named Blake who's. <laughs> I mean, They've heard about Blake before. Yeah, Blake doppelganger or uh, Burgers doppelganger, but like in like the worst way. Um, I, but yeah, Bur- uh, Blake has these things called Blake problems where technology for absolutely no reason will just go completely haywire. Like he'd install Hue lights. Yeah. And because of some weird like wire that was crossed in like 1953 in his house, they'll flicker and like go a like, hospital green and like triple the voltage or the wattage going to them. He's got like 483 phase piped into his lights in his house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why did you have sodium vapor warehouse lighting in here? I'm like, I don't know. They said it was good. I don't know how he's my doppelganger, but hi, Blake. Yeah, you have, like, the exact same personality and none of the same interests. I guess. I Okay, I still... F- I'm not I'm not drawing the, the connection here, but... The amount of time I spend with you and him... Well, yeah, just because you happen to spend a similar amount of time... No, no, no. You know both of your personalities very well. And oh, I, yeah, you've known us both for a long time. Yeah, and I have basically the same playbook, 
for you and Blake at the same time when you guys are disgruntled or or something. Overly gruntled. Overly gruntled. Yes. When you're extremely gruntled. So gruntled. <laughs> Is that like a girdle? Kind of, yeah. A gruntle? Um, okay. Oh, hey, did you hear there's going to be a new racetrack in Mankato? Uh, I saw a, a little SketchUp site plan of something. I didn't click on it, but... So well, I I did. Okay. Um, well, uh, let me let me open it up here then. It's like five pages of stuff, so I didn't read all of it. But that's, um, that's fine. Kind of in the same boat as I was. I'll open it up though. So no, it's a it's gonna be like a road course and driver training facility. So it's gonna be kind of like a super DCTC oh, to yeah. go to County Technical College racetrack. Yep. Um, but it's gonna be really cool for something like my van. Because there's a lot of corners and there's not many straightaways. It's going to be a slower track, but it's going to be really technical. Mm-hmm. So, Would they also use this for karting or is it exclusively for cars? It, so far, it's exclusively for cars, but okay. it might be for... I mean, they might do karting as well. I mean, it looks pretty cool. I would drive for that. Yeah, no, I'm really excited Although, for that. whoever their drafter is, they need to get a better drafter. Yeah. Because I can knock that out in the morning. That would look better than that. Yeah, it looks pretty terrible. Why don't you do that? <laughs> I'm, I'm lazy, too, though. So, I mean, the fact that they got something put up here no, is good. No, they had the same guy do drafting as uh, Bethesda had to do their face <sighs> modeling. Yeah. Oh, man. I was playing some Fallout 4, and I got all the way to that town, the adjacent town after coming out of the, the vault or whatever. Uh, sanctuary. Yeah, something like that. It was like 15 minutes in, mm-hmm. and it died because I'm terrible at games. And it, it didn't checkpoint when I got to that town, even though it showed me on the screen that it did. So it brought me all the way back to the vault, and I just quit. I'm just like, that's, I'm done. That, that sounds like Bethesda. <laughs> that sounds exactly like <laughs> and there's, there's error 15 minutes into the game. Yeah. Uh, there's our digression. I suppose we could start the... Once we find a new naming structure, you could start the video game version as well. But um, Anyway, yeah, Mankato Motorsports Park is what they're... Looks like they're going to maybe call it. I'm still curious to see if that one down in Lakeville, right off of 35, is coming to fruition. Because it was the same type of thing. It was car condos retail and some sort of track or testing track so i mean the more of this stuff the better but i mean somebody has to do it first like nobody's been able to do this yet well the other thing is like they're all kind of competing with like a dctc style track nobody's trying to make like a world-class track here right but that's perfect because this sort of thing is really conducive to like autocross events i mean not necessarily the track here but and uh, lower speed lower cost events which is how you get people hooked and get them to brainerd because dctc events that's how you get people into motorsport that is true you can go just hoon the piss out of your car and it costs you like 30 bucks and you never go over the speed limit yeah uh, yeah of course not i would well, never I, mean, I, would, you, I would never go over the 55 mile per hour speed limit they have well, at dctc no nah, you, you know i mean though it's like it's like all these race events, it's hard to like get up there because you're gonna be like, you're gonna go like maybe sixty and then have to slow down. I don't know. Cars are modern cars, even junky ones are fast. It's true. Fast. But um, no, I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like unexcited for it. I'm very excited for this. Situation. I mean, it's it's still. I, I should. I wish I liked reading enough to read all the way through this, but. I just didn't have time. I'm, I'm sure I totally it's intended like, to. I'm very sorry. The proposal phase. It is still within the proposal phase. Oh, they've got a lot of stuff though. Site location, environmental considerations. They've done. They've done some things. Yeah. No, they've done all of that. I think it's. I think it'd be a great idea. I think you know. So financing is the big one then. <laughs> yeah, but I think. Well, the other thing is, tight technical tracks like this are really good for yep. people with electric cars as well. Hey, I have one of those. Yeah, you do. I could trailer it down to Mankato with the generator. Yeah, I 
if they had electric like fast chargers, that'd be really cool. Yeah, even if they had like a fourteen fifty outlet, like I could do a whole day of autocross. And, well, I, I was thinking, like, driving. how much power would you use doing like one, you know, run through the track? If I brought the car there fully charged, I could do probably the day's track sessions no problem on a full charge. Yeah, so I think that'd be really cool for somebody, and that's with a Fiat five hundred. So right. if you have a that's Tesla, a low range EV. If you have a Tesla, like <laughs> yeah. you could totally drive there, hoon it, drive there, hoon it, come back. I think that do, doing stuff like that yeah. and having fast chargers, that will be a really good way for a lot of these proposals to move forward. So, a, so lo- a lot of these kind of get, t- get hung up by non-car enthusiasts being in city councils. And I'm like, what do we gain from this? We right. And especially if those are like in their parking lot or something, so they're accessible after hours too. Exactly. Well, I would say more. It'd be you, can, you could market it as... Well, this is a way to get people more interested in electric cars. Electric cars of the future. It's just, it is what it is. It, if you want to keep people that, hooked, that's well, no, not, not only that. That'd be a really easy way to get it through, like a city council, I because agree. they would be, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then, yeah, it, who cares if anybody actually takes an electric car there? Right. Like you have the provisions there. I think something like that will really help these get through. Well, the the main issues with like tracks like this in city limits is noise. Yeah, and electric cars don't. Make noise. Exactly. I make some tire squeal. And like if you hit a tree, it's going to make some noise. Well, this is crash this that. is in Mankato. If you look at the area <laughs> around it, you it's know, just lots of farm fields. Yep. Well, it's Mankato, as you just said. So yeah, there's nothing nothing to look at here. It, to be honest, like, Mankato is probably the most aesthetically pleasing agricultural area in Minnesota outside of the Mississippi River, the Mississippi River Valley. Um, they I have the fewest straight roads, which is nice. That's what I mean. And it doesn't look like Delano, where everything's straight roads and flatness. Delano is so bad. So if you're not from Minnesota and you're wondering where Delano is. That's right next to Buffalo, Minneapolis. Yeah. It's just outside of the Twin Cities. And it's probably about, like, what, like a half-hour drive outside of the Twin Cities? It's probably more. Half-hour if you're cooking. No, I mean, like, once you get out of, like, Wyzetta. Yeah, it's probably half Yeah, so after you get out of the third ring of suburbs, it's half-hour into the sticks. And there's one road to get there. And it's like a no-passing zone half the time. It's yep. so terrible. Not only that, when you get there, there's nothing to look at because it is dead flat. Like, there's literally a river that goes through Buffalo, and they it's probably about 25. They have an Applebee's yeah, and a like, giant chicken statue. There, there's there's one river that goes through, like, Delno and, like, Buffalo, and it's, like, probably oh, yeah. about 20 feet below <laughs> what, like, the normal ground level is. And, and like, it's tiny. It's really <laughs> tiny. It's like a glorified stream. But other than that, you have... Dead flatness. Like, not you can't buy a hill. Can't so. buy a hill. You really can't. You, could you download a hill? No, maybe if you pile up all the methamphetamines, you can make one. <laughs> but, yeah. What about these used needles? <laughs> yeah, how else are you going to hold the methamphetamines together? I, you know, I'm out of ideas, personally. You have Mount so. Buffalo. Made of <laughs> Buffalo. Just made out of used needles. Used needles and methamphetamines. Uh, Yay! Speaking of the demographic that uses needles and methamphetamine, I want to talk about aftermarket lighting solutions in factory housings yeah yeah so you know what i'm talking about when i say this right yeah okay people, people put like uh 15k hids into like a 9200 accord yeah with reflector housings yeah so it that's stupid i do want to talk about those people because they're doing it wrong but i also want to talk about the people that do it right yes um because there are a lot of cars that ship with halogen headlights and projector housings my van like my Fiat 500, too. Yep. It's set up for Bi-Xenon, even though it's got a halogen bulb. So I want to first touch on the types of aftermarket light upgrades. So you were just alluding to 
15,000K. That's probably HID, right? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. The Xenon retrofit kit that's like purple in color. It, it, that That's like indigo blue. Oh. You cannot see anything. Seriously. It's just like, <laughs> it's the look at me on the headlights, but no visibility outside of the car. Yeah, it's absolutely and then dreadful. The other end of this Kelvin scale, which is the color temperature, is like 2,700. That's kind of the lowest limit. And that's like JDM gold yellow. Yeah, that's, for like what, fogs that's what my like fog lights that. are on my. Right. Thing. Actually, mine are 3K, but. 3K is much more common. 2700 yeah. is not that common. I would love so. to have 27K everything. 27. Perfect. Yeah. 2700 is, is very piss yellow. Um, but yeah, like now... So, like okay. dehydrated and drinking a lot of beer piss yellow. Yeah, no, that's like me yesterday. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now, I mean, HIDs... So the Xenon retrofit kits have been kind of the big mod thing for the last decade. Yeah. Now we're starting to see commercially viable LED retrofit. Yes. Um, Which not they only, create a ton of heat, so the heat sinking solution is tough. Not only that, but you have uh, conversions as well. So I'm not sure. Do you know who um, Adam Cha is? Yes. So have you seen what he did with his headlights on his S2000? Mm-mm. You know those really obnoxious Acura, I think it's the MBX, oh, yeah. where yep. we have the five sure. projectors? Yep. Yeah, he put that in his S2000. See, that's a much better idea than trying to fit this thermal solution. I mean, the, the, the spread pattern is pretty good out of these LED retrofits, yes. but it has been with HID kits for a while, too, Yeah. as far as projector housings. Never, ever, we should, first and foremost, never put a retrofit bulb in a reflector housing. Just don't do it. Yeah, no, it looks awful. It, it looks just... awful. You're blinding everyone. Like, bro, those aren't my high beams, LOM. I'm like, yeah, well, they're brighter. Yeah. And they're angled higher. So, they're really yes, annoying. they are your high beams. Go kill yourself. But anyway, if you don't have a vehicle with there, projector housings I, I and you want say, LED. There is a, with my CRX, I did put HIDs into a reflector housing. I did it too in high school. No, there is, a, but the way I did it though, is I took the headlights and angled them down super far. <laughs> and the reason I wanted them is because not going down the road, but off to the sides. Interesting. Going to Janice's house, I you have to drive through a completely unlighted street from normandale when it goes past uh normandale pond or river lake whatever the hell it is bigger than bog. the buffalo minneapolis bog river yeah stream um but no there, there were like there's five instances where i almost hit a deer within in as many months it's like sure. once a month so the stock headlights in that car sucked no and way it, 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 yeah it wasn't a I did not care about going forward, but yeah, no, what I did is I took him, I took the adjustment screw, I adjusted it down so most of the light actually hit the bumper. Okay. Um, so the, the, amount of, yeah. the amount of light going out towards the street was about as much as my standard headlights. However, I can now see into, into the woods because it was so awfully angled, <laughs> and I actually used that to my advantage. So well, Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds more like a fog light and how it light out, but so I yeah, get that. No, and that's the thing. is like that's basically what it turns your sure. HIDs into is a really annoying fog well, light. I mean, that's essentially what a reflector housing with an HA ridge fit is because fog lights are designed to diffuse light. Yeah, go out and sideways. Low yeah. and high beams are designed to focus it, so that does make some sense. Um, so, yeah, we... Typically, don't condone that, but if you know what you're doing and you can get your headlights down enough, okay, fine. As long as you're not blinding other motorists, have at it. But, like you were talking about the MDX retrofit. Yeah. There are vehicles like the new Toyota Corolla. Not even the new one, actually. The the one previous that came out in 2012. Every one of those has factory two-stage LED headlights. Yeah. So, you can buy used headlights for those for not much. 
and they are very, very good headlight units. They and have heat they, sinking built in, drivers yeah. built in, everything's ready. And they're small, so you can put those into anything. So if you do want an LED headlight retrofit at this point, I think you're way better off putting With a the, factory housing into your existing headlights. Yeah, and you. I mean, people have been modifying headlight housings forever. Oh yeah, I, I mean, did it on my old motorcycle back in high school. It was great. Uh, to go to the pre-war, uh, people were putting halogen bulbs into acetylene torches, and you mean like the old gas lamps that they used yeah, to? Yeah, they used to okay. use like, an acetylene-powered gas lamp Jeez. for headlights. But when uh, when like a halogen <laughs> headlight bulb came in, came out, or sorry, not, not a halogen, incandescent headlight bulb, like probably a tungsten your, your, sta- your standard like house yeah, bulb, yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd made they'd got, received smaller ones and they put them into cars. And Is it just me? That I'm thinking of like the really tacky Chinese boxes we buy all these retrofit kits in now, but like I'm picturing like a really old timey one with like letter print and it's just got a pair of Edison light bulbs and some and adapters. It, 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 it looks like it looks like Song Dynasty Chinese like aesthetic or uh, Chin Dynasty uh, or aesthetic. Even, I hate to bring up this game because I hate it, but like Red Dead Redemption Two, like all the typeface in that exactly. game. That's what I'm yeah. picturing. It it looked like that. <laughs> High light output retrofit kit, you see? <clears throat> the, the very first Ricer. Putting oh, jeez. Putting his incandescent light bulb into his 1903 Oldsmobile uh, <laughs> round front. Curved front. Oh, for goodness sake. I'm sure there Horseless were people carriage. modding. I mean, you just said there were people modding their cars back in the day. So. No, it, it's been with cars. It's predated cars because people modified wagons, and now they're going to modify cars. And anyway. First car was a modified wagon. That's true. Yeah. With a steam engine. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that would be my recommendation. If you've got a, a car with projector housings, just buy the HID kit still. Mm-hmm. They, they work so well. They're cheap now. The ballasts are tiny and electronic. They're pretty reliable. And they're cheaper than a pair of name brand headlight lip bulbs. Yeah. So. It's really a, a good way to do it. Um, I put uh, LED uh, fog light bulbs into my van. Oh, um, did you know? Yes, I did, and that's how they're yellow. Are those the JDM ones? Yes, the okay. JDM ones. I see like so many random people that just like have that because it works a lot better. Like it's just it's better. <laughs> well, I mean, in fogs, it's not like a a crucial like safety item either. So like if something happens and you burn out one of the diodes. Well, what happens with mine is they flicker if it's too cold outside, which is usually oh. when it's foggy here, which is annoying. Fun. However, yeah, they make you know anti-flicker kits that just probably know, just a capacitor. Or yeah, something. It's just they put a capacitor in line and <laughs> it supplies a constant voltage. Uh, I will be making a motor call to uh, blog post about what the actual science behind that is. The dumping I've, I've, driver. I've actually been looking into, like, why is this actually happening? So I will be putting that together at some point. Fair enough. We are <laughs> going to rename the Motor Call blog beforehand. Um, I hope it's the dumping driver. I really like I, that. I really, the dumping driver might be it. <laughs> the, the dumping driver is a very good name. I mean, I really <laughs> like that a lot. <laughs> I feel like I need to really I, I say to, that. I may have to find another adjective for dumping. For well, pooping. just go to a thesaurus and type Defecating in. Defecating driver? No, it's too it's too vivid. That's too poopy. All right, I, I've put the the small can in my koozie now. <laughs> this this has not gone well. Uh, Burr has now lost his beer that I gave to him in his koozie, and he cannot. Re- Burr, this isn't gonna work. You're recovered in beer. Well, that has quite an odor to it. Aroma. Yeah, it's rather. called a head. Isn't that the foam? Oh, that is the foam. Shit, what is it? Uh, the nose. That's what it is. 
It's got quite the nose to it. Woo! Oh my, okay. Jury's out still. Why don't you go on to the next topic here it, while it, I figure it, out it this takes, beer? It takes a few flavors. Or a few sips, rather. Um, Ooh, I don't know if I like that. But no, actually, I, I wanted... There was one more thing I wanted to talk about with oh, headlights. Um, ignore the screen grab just now. Yes, yes. Don't worry, that's actually partially pertaining to it. I turned it off, don't worry. Uh, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it, not only do you have your normal... Um, yeah, yeah, putting in LED headlights and stuff. Yeah. Even with older cars, you can do the halogen conversions from the sealed beams. Yes. And with those, yep. there's actually a lot of really cool stuff people have been doing with it. Uh, with Shakatan style cars in Japan, mm-hmm. the super low ones, the ridiculous arrow. Uh, on Scout, I thought that was like Bosozoku. Bosozoku, but Shakatan's like a less extreme version oh, okay. of Bosozoku. Okay. It, for layman terms. I am a layperson. Exactly. Um,. But what a lot of people do with Skylines, like R31s, R30s, not really R31s, R30s, and then with uh, C110s and 210s and stuff like that, uh, Toyota Tacoma headlight housings. Interesting. Uh, And they angled them over like 20 degrees downwards, so they like slant in. Oh. It actually looks pretty cool. Um, But not only that, it's also... Yeah, it's shockingly, it barely fits. Like that's why everybody does it is because like three of the four screws work perfectly. So is, are we talking like kooky two forty type of land? Like where they go like no yeah. like more extreme, more extreme than that. Like literally like oh, probably about twenty thirty degrees. So it's very angry. Yeah, it's very so good. it's like a bro after uh, not FJ JK. With yeah, kind of like that. The... Kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This Jeep is angry. But um, no, they actually they work so much better. And the headlight housing being made for a big truck actually yeah. diffuses light way better than a car uh, one does because it's made I would to be never like... have envisioned taco parts being yep. like the parts been improvement thing. Weird things, right? <laughs> now you know. Anyway, yeah, so I'll move on to my thing. Okay. Uh, what the hell is going on with 3000 GTSL automatics going for as much as a VR4 goes for? I was going to say, the, I don't know why the lettering's cut off here. But, all right, so on Bring a Trailer, when you, I just, I've noticed this. I've been really outraged. There we like, go. There are prices. Yeah. So, yeah, here's an SL for 15.5. Here's a VR4 five speed for 12. So, be it the SL super low mile, but still, it's. Oh, that, that doesn't make sense. Though. But okay, here's a but, here's no, a very yeah. low. Yeah, and then 000. right and then right below it. But look at that for thirty three thousand miles for a VR four SL. That green one is went for more money than the VR or the the VR four went for less money than the SL. See that green SL right below it. Where uh, second row right below the that's a VR four. Oh, is it? All right. Well, anyway, right next to it. That's is, an SL. Yeah, that's an SL. But no, they go for about the same price, actually. Like they, I actually really like the VR4 Spider. That's a super rare car. Yes, that it, particularly the 95, because then you also have four-wheel steering still. Ah. The 95 was the last year of four-wheel steering and was also the first year of the Spider. And then 96, you didn't have four-wheel steering. But like that car was so ahead of its time, retractable hardtop. I know, it's a really cool car. I'm going to click on that. But, um... So I've I've been like looking into it and like actually looking at who's been purchasing these, and what it looks like is it looks like it's a lot of people that are speculating, 
on Japanese cars, and they don't really know much about the car. I think that's probably right, because that's like somebody buying a 2 plus 2 NA Z32 five-speed yeah. and be like, oh, it's going to be worth so much. I'm like, no, it just it won't be. Yeah. It's just, it's just you bought the wrong one. Like a two, like a two-seater, really clean NA five-speed, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Because then you can't have a turbo, and then yeah, whatever. But the, and I, I grant, I'm, I'm pulling up a, a VR4 manual spider the, here. The best I'm showing the, the best one. Yeah, <laughs> except it's not a 95. So, but still, it's <clears throat> it's the more it's the second best one you can get. It that car has always intrigued me. I will say though, I mean, if you are looking for a car to make a massive killing on, yeah, a 3000 GT or VR4 with low miles, yeah, that's gotta be the number that one is, for me right now it's one of the jdm pinnacles of the 90s like that it, people i've been saying it for years like nobody understands how cool that car is because all those stupid little vents like on the hood and everything everything's functional all of it is functional yeah like and and, and, and necessary <laughs> yeah like that car is very cool it had active arrow and it had uh like the headlights were um projectors yep um, they have flip up. They had flip up headlights. If you like that, which I do, but this is way better. Yeah, that that honestly looks better. They had even. I think probably the best one you could get would be that, but with the po- the third facelift front end on mm-hmm. it, where they have the larger air dam. Um, no, the car is just an amazing automobile. I mean, dual free cam, all wheel drive, tw- uh, twin, twin turbo. turbo. Yep. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, but the thing is. All of that stuff goes by the wayside when you get an SL, because the automatic SL is basically a two-door caravan. Front-wheel drive, terrible engine. It's a two-door caravan. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is, because the Dodge Stealth base model yeah. used a single-cam three-liter, yep. which was also used in the caravan, which means you now have a dual-ride cam caravan I'm if gonna you have see, an SL. I'm going to see if this SL has a picture of the engine. Just that that car does nothing for me. It's got the flip-up headlights. I just, I don't care. I have many cars with flip-up headlights. But yeah, it's... Oh, this one has the twin cam still. Yeah. Well, all the 3000 GTs had the twin cam. The SL, or the uh, the Stealth is the one with the caravan engine. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot they were different that way. Okay. It was, it was a cylinder head difference. That was it. Right. But I, um, I can put one of these in a caravan with bolts. Actually, they also made an all-wheel drive caravan. Yeah, actually, you're right. So they you, did. You could theoretically do a dual... Guessing the system's got to be different, though. I think it's the same. Oh man! <laughs> I, can't think, I just I can't hear. They these wouldn't things. put any effort into it. So I'd be shocked if it was different. Because I mean, they put as minimal effort into the caravan as they did when they were developing it. Look at how much room there is for a drive shaft on this SL. I know, right? Um, so stupid. But no, it's like people get the SL. And, yeah, now you have the aesthetic of the 3000 GT. And you have the terrible intake manifold design of the 3000 GT. And you have no power to show for it. Can I always say... Oh, sorry. Can I say, I've always loved, when this actually loads, the climate control display on that. You know, I also... so ahead Can we talk about how that just loaded up? We have a 56K modem. We're talking about like, the yep. most 90s <laughs> car. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that climate control display is really cool. Like, straightfire.net. You could always tell when you were looking at the interior of a 3000 GT VR4, yeah. which is good because you were looking at 240p video back in the day. It's true. It had that display in the Exactly. Middle. It's true. <laughs> um, yes. I do like the factory head unit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No. That, like, they're, they're, I think that the 3000 GT is going to end up being kind we of- We should have talked to Brian about these. Yeah. We, we really should have. But it's gonna, I feel like it's going to end up being like the, um, 
uh, like the Starion of the '80s, where it is like the most quintessentially of the era sports car that's like affordable. I think that one's got to be it. I'm just trying to find an automatic SL here. Oh, there there is one. Go back. That 8,000 mile one, uh, second row to your right. I just clicked on that one. It's a oh, you screen. just did? Okay. I'm going to check this SL. But yeah, no, they've got a, like just a, an abundance of SLs. Four-speed auto. There you go. Perfect. Sold for 11.5. I don't get that. Like That's literally just speculators. You could buy a good car for that. If you actually, if you actually go through like the people that are buying these... Oh. And like you click on their profiles and stuff, like it's a lot of people that it's are a just... one owner car. <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally it has everything that could be a collectible car, but on the worst trim level. Seriously, like it's a three thousand GT is not like it's not like a Challenger where you get it a slant six automatic Challenger and you can still make it cool. Like this is not the same thing. This is totally different in every way. I want to bring up the Stealth. Stealths are, that one's been slept on a lot. This year's at, I mean, they've been kind of like where they're at. Yeah. And they don't really track their prices or anything. That's. Which I don't get. I would totally. kind of weird. Yeah. I would just. Not very many submitted. No. That, well, I mean, there weren't that many, period. Also, if there was a car to get a base model automatic front wheel drive of, it would be a stealth. Because you're just making the two wicked from Aquatine Hunger Force. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I mean, these are all twin turbos here. Yeah, those they they haven't had much, but no. Like but when you, look at this. $8,500, 8300 for 64,000 miles. These cannot have been good cars. No, they're great. They're just, they totally got slept on because it's a Dodge Stealth, not a th- Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get that. I think this will probably... Be the the buy then in the future, not the three thousand GT. I think the three thousand GT you have a better chance in total dollars made. I I because this was America. I only. think the percentage gain over the next twenty years, you're going to be better off with the Stealth. Oh yeah, no, sure, yeah, percentage gain, yes, but I think as far as total dollars earned, ooh, that engine's not that clean. Yeah, but I mean, I, it's a Dodge Stealth. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, I, it really, this is, I think what I'm looking at here with these automatic 3000 GT SLs going for ridiculous amounts of money, this is like the same thing of like the 1980s car speculators. Oh my God. I love that logo. That's so cool. <laughs> with a B2 on it. I know. It's like a crappy one with way too many jagged edges on it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a knockoff B2. But no, I, I think this is the same thing that's like happened with pre-war cars. Oh, one second. With speculators in the God 1980s where people just started buying anything and everything that was old and assuming it's going to make you money. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these people are going to spend, you know, $13,000 on their 8,000 mile, 3,000 GT SL, and they're going to try and sell it in five years once the VR4s go for $50,000. You know what they're going to get? Nothing. $13,500. So, <laughs> like... <laughs> Does this thing really... Oh, it, okay. It has the same warranty booklet for the Dodge Colt and the Dodge Stealth. I love it. That is super cool. Also, look at those ignition keys. Yeah, those are definitely <laughs> just some Ilco whatever is. <laughs> oh, that's so jank. I love um, it. This is so cool. So do you know why the Dodge Stealth was the way it was? Like, why they even made it? They wanted to make a cheap sports car. They had to get it under $20,000. 
I guess in ninety-one dollars, that's still a lot of money. Or not twenty thousand. I think it was sixteen or something. It was either sixteen or twenty. That's incredible. But that's why they gave you the automatic base model. Oh, that's for the single cam. Okay, that's yeah. where that came from. Was because they I wanted you were talking to talking the that. twin turbo. I'm like, oh, I'm in a bargain. <laughs> yeah, no, the twin turbo is like as much as a Corvette. <laughs> okay. But talking about car has a swing in value. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I still do really want a three thousand GT though, really badly. <laughs> But at that price point, I'd rather have a, an imported Z32 Turbo because now that Brian has told me that you can get a nice one for ten grand, I'm that's like, true. Ugh. That's true. That car, I think, is going to do better than the 3000 GT. No, it will. I mean, it's just I've always wanted it, and I feel like I'm going to miss the boat I on agree. it. The, but... I think the car that I first saw driving on the road as a kid that like got me like, whoa, that's a cool car, was the 3000 GT because it really had the looks, and they were I actually think, pretty I ubiquitous. Was, I, I think for me, it was the Z32. Is either that or I saw TR. I remember when I being like four or your old. first NSX. That was that was a cool moment in my life. I was like, "What did I just see?" I think it was. I think it was like three or four when I saw a uh, Triumph TR8 or oh, TR7. Gross. Ugh. Yeah, but to a kid, yeah, and then it's like got 1995, the that thing looked rad. Like okay, back in the awful, day, highway rad. highway 169 North. Um, before you get to 394, there's that like giant dip in elevation. Yeah. Remember back in the day, there used to be a peel off to go into that residential neighborhood. Mm-mm, they took oh, it out. They took it out. Oh. That used to be basically a through street, so you could pull off, go past a whole bunch of traffic, and get right back on. But you'd have to go through this 25 mile an hour street where there are garages, children, and sidewalks. Yeah. I was stuck in traffic, and a guy in front of me in a red F355 Spider just blasted up that thing at full chat and got right back on. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Not only that, <laughs> you know, like every kid that was like playing with their bicycle just like blew their wad and like shat oh, their yeah. pants. Yeah. But this had to be the coolest thing they saw all week. I mean, that that's the moment when I first heard a 355 in person. I'm like, this is the greatest noise ever. So you had that. And you're into super into Ferraris. I'm still super into like Hondas and Japanese cars. That's weird how some things never change, right? Yeah. <laughs> My moment like that was, it was, I distinctly remember it. It was 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> wow, you've got a way better memory than I do, apparently. <laughs> oh, this is the most influential single moment in my life. My mom was picking me up from uh, school. And we were driving, I'm really genuinely excited to hear about this. We were driving back from my house and in on um, 69th Street and York uh, on the southwest corner of um okay. Southdale. Yep. We drove past two EG Civics that were copper with ridiculous graphics on them oh, and yeah. Bomex body kits. Oh jeez. Made my childhood. <laughs> it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life and now that I write so, about old Japanese cars. That would have been really ahead of its time actually in the late they, 90s. In 1997? Yeah. That was That's the, huge. I, I'm, a, I'm using our off time. This is the coolest fucking thing I'd ever seen in my goddamn life. Yeah. And you know what? That's still Per capita, the <laughs> coolest amount of cool I've ever seen in my I don't life. Know if per capita is the right <laughs> word there. Well, but, you have, you have yeah, a certain I, amount of cool, but you have different. <laughs> you have you have a different amount of, of cool to expect, of like things that you just see on the road that are cool. Like today, <laughs> things are way cooler than they used to be. Because you get in way, general, absolutely yeah, like yes. Everybody can make a cool car now, but in 1997, like the the only way to have a cool car was to have like a muscle car. With some white lettering on the wheels, or like a Ferrari, and I just saw two 
EG Civics that were the coolest fucking thing in the world. They were super loud, and they had, like, intercoolers and shit on. It was so cool. I'm really anyway. glad we were in the screen grab mode because <laughs> your camera is way bigger in this mode. <laughs> and your, your excitement just, is I'm, I'm sorry, palpable. I, at some point in my life, I'm going to have to build one of those cars. Like, I'm going to have to just rice you the hell out of You should probably do it Civic. soon, because you can probably still find a Bumex body kit for one of those. Yeah, and you can also find an EG Civic for a reasonable amount of money. So, yep. um, but that might be my next car build. It's a really rice out EG Civic. I am actually really excited. Because I would... Like when I'm doing the Civic, the Civic I'm already doing like with like an early '90s style. Like I've got like all early '90s. And now you're parts. gonna do Fast and the Furious style before just, it was Fast and the Furious. Fuck, just the grossest giant body kit, like fish bowls and the headlights. I'm, just... I'm so excited for the graphics. We got graphics would do like farting himself off a toilet across the car. <laughs> it's gonna be all like Art Deco style. As long as the car is still copper, I'm good. It's going to be awesome. Oh. oh, I think you just gave me a light form of cancer, but <laughs> that's all I get. It's just going to be the grossest car in the world, but it, I'm going to love it, though. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I still look forward to it. I mean, it's really paining me to hear about this. but It's going to be the dumbest build in the world. <clears throat> Speaking, anyway. Speaking of the dumbest build in the world, not really. It's a terrible segue. But I want to talk about Matt Farrell's Million Mile <clears throat> Gen 1 LS400. Yes. So he bought this thing, as you guys probably all know, like four years ago with like 936,000 miles on it. And his plan is to get it over a million and then donate it to a museum in California. So right now, it's in Ohio with regular car reviews. He just did a video on it this weekend. The thing is at 997,000 miles. So the car now has to get driven down to Miami. That's going to do it. And that, no, it won't. Um, that's about 1,500 miles. But then it has to drive back to California, which it will roll over a million on. So what Matt Farah now has to do is fly to Florida after the guy who currently has it drives it there and then drive it back to California to cross the million miles with him in the driver's seat. That's so really I'm looking cool. forward to them. I haven't heard him comment on this on the smoking tire yet, but I'm looking forward to it hopefully in one of the next episodes because... I hope there's like a live stream or something we can watch to see what happens when the odometer just sticks at nine 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 nine. I don't think it actually rolls over to zero. Is, is it is it, it digital? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it just will stick. But that's so cool. Yeah, I'm pretty, really excited it's for rad. that. The um, car of like it's other than the fact that it apparently leaks like a half quart of oil out of the pan at night wherever you park it because they just haven't bothered to do a pan gas. <laughs> but the thing is that car's got a million miles and that's its only engine's issue. never been opened. Yeah. I think that's why they haven't done it. Yeah, I think the pan gasket on there is original from 1990. So, and that's the thing. It's like you're gonna deal with like leaking a half quart of oil. Yeah, but you're gonna also say I've got a million miles of never uncorked this engine. Just drain the oil. You know, I was actually looking for one of those to replace my LS 400. Uh, Why? Well, I was watching the donut media video on it, and it's just I really want one. I don't know if it's to replace the van, but I just really want one as a daily. I like the LS, but every time I'm like. That'd be kind of a cool car. Then I look back at the competitor cars from back in the day, and you could get a manual 7 Series. Yeah. You can, you can make a manual. I know, but I don't LS. want to. Yeah, but the thing is, the LS400, uh, that caused BMW to get their shit together. And Yeah, but the E32 was a great car. No, I, I'm, I don't doubt it. But when that car came out... It's still an automatic. Yeah, but the thing is, when that car came out, that car blew everybody's water. Oh, yeah. Like, nobody expected yeah, nothing that. nothing touched it. Nothing touched it. Mercedes, 
uh, were upside down on the ninety. The and look princess, how good the W one forty was. Is that is that the Princess Diana S class? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mercedes actually went upside down on the Princess Diana S class to try and keep up. You want to talk about an overbuilt car? Yeah, it was the LS until the W one forty came out. And the th- well, the thing is, which one is more reliable these days? The LS depends. If you get the six-cylinder W140, it's probably the yeah, same. Yeah, but you still have the uh, biodegradable engine harness. You have all the other not in the early ones. You but it's you still get a in. lot of electrical problems and stuff uh, with that. I don't think that's correct. It's true. By like, the time the V12 got installed in it, yeah, the W140 did not end up a very good car. Whereas the, the early the 92 to 93 W140s are really the, solid. The thing is though, with the LS. Or the LS400, okay. I should say, not the LS engine. The LS400 from... Or the, the LS VTEC. Every single LS400, regardless of generation, is a super reliable, very nice car. But it has timing belts. That's fine. Is it? Yeah, because timing chains... Well, I guess No, it, that was of the era where chains lasted chains forever and belts lasted, lasted like 30 to 60K. All right, so you have one larger maintenance item. You have a timing belt. Just saying. And the only other fault I, I have for... I love the LS400. The only other fault I have for the one UZ engine is the starter is placed underneath the intake manifold. So when I was searching for these, my one term I was looking for is new starter. I'm like, I want to make sure somebody did the starter because I do not want to have to pull off the intake manifold. That sounds like the 355. I was surprised to find it under the throttle bodies when I did the engine out. I'm like, oh. Yeah, but, I mean, that's also Ferrari. Like, you're kind of, you kind of half expect it to be something yeah. stupid. This and you can get at it super easy. Yeah, I think the, the, the Toyota probably had a really good reason for putting in the starter where they did. Uh, I think it's just it's more out of the elements and stuff. I, I think, think so. I, th- I think Maserati it, does that, too. Like, they didn't want to, like, they didn't want to like corrode the terminals on it when it has a million miles. Right. So, like, it makes sense. I get it. Um. But yeah, no, I, I've been looking for LS four hundred. I really want one. I like the one UZ, but I think I'd get an SC before I'd get an LS. Well, that's the thing. If the SC, if I get an SC four hundred, yeah, I'm gonna sit there lamenting because I know I could have had the SC three hundred with the two J in it, and that came with a manual option. Yeah, well, even if it didn't have the manual, it still has the two J. Yeah, but a 2JZ GE and the two JZ GTE are two very different things. Yeah, for power. Yeah. But you, you can still make 700 horsepower without a problem with a 2JZ GE with the Yeah, but turbo none of the GTE parts bolt to it. Yeah, they do. The heads are completely different. You can still run. That's true. You have to put but a GTE head on it then. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, but those are really expensive. Or you can run a 2JZ GE aftermarket turbo, turbo manifold. Right, which, which exists, yeah. They're very abundant, and they're proven to be very effective. All right, fine. It's still a bolt-proof I, engine. I, I would still take a 1UZ. I would take the 2J... Uh, with the with my Cressida? Actually, no. no, no I changed my answer. I'm going to buy one of the super cheap Toyota V12s and put that in there. Oh, yeah, the 1GZ? Yeah, 1GZ FE. There you go. Yeah, that'd be really that would cool. be actually really rad. That would be very cool. Uh, what what, uh, what Toyota manuals bolt to the 1GZ? Uh, 2J1s. R1, okay. R1, or the V160. Or the V160. V160, both, because they're both 2J. Right. Any, anything that bolts a 2J, because it's 2J bell housing, all the V12 is is two 2Js. I don't know why they didn't call it the 4J. I thought it was two 1Js. Uh, it is two 1Js, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I really like the 1GZ. Yes, it's that very cool. That is a very unloved engine. It is, and I think you can also... so cheap i know they are so cheap i if i 
if I remember correctly, although the cranks are different, I think they'll use the same rods and pistons as the 2J I think, as well. I think it's all 1J, but yeah. Well, no, as the 2J, so you can actually stroke it out to be a 6 liter. I th- I think yeah I, mean, I think you could you could make a one GZ a six liter but I think all the rods and pistons are one J stuff yeah which you can switch out for right two J yep but the heads if those are one J heads those are the better heads that one J is the way to go yeah but no with so with with my Cressida like a two J Z G E yeah I would be a hundred percent okay with because my power goal for that car would be around four hundred horsepower V twelve and I can easily make that yeah the V twelve would be really cool V12. but um. No, the the, the two J Z G E is not a bad engine. No, it's, it's I'm not, not saying not, it's bad. It's engine. Not, I'm just nothing, saying nothing nothing to it, people say two J and they mean a GTE yeah, non VVT. No, it's it's like when you say B series to Honda, you don't mean the L S. The L right. S is a perfectly good engine, but the G S R is the way to go. Right. Exactly. Um and with it yeah, but <laughs> it's still it's I, I guess I shouldn't say that because the L S does have some massive, massive You're issues. L S V? The B eighteen B, B eighteen A one. Um those engines do have some issues at the bottom end that you don't get with the GSR. But the 2JZ GE is, it's a set of oil squirters and uh, like a VVTI solenoid away from being, well, actually, no, it doesn't have a VVTI. So it's like, it's literally just oil squirters. So between the VVTI and the non VVTI? No, I mean, between the, the, the bottom ends, like the oh, differences. Yeah, I know the block's the same. Yeah. It's just oil squirters is the only difference. <clears> and it's really not a big deal. It's, you can make a pretty perfectly fine amount of power on a two on two J Z G E. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's it's a hundred percent just finding something that'll bolt to it. Yeah, exactly. So if you can find a one J head, you're you're set. And I think in the long run, the J Z series engines are going to make more power than the U Z V eight. But the J Z engines are way heavier. That's true. Way heavier. That's true. But I mean, like, again. When you get that, either you're going to keep the V8 stock. You're not going to actually build the V8. You'll either leave it stock or you're going to be going for something where you're going to make ridiculous power. There's no, there's not much of an in-between. It's less than $2,000 shipped for a complete, fully-dressed engine and transmission shipped for a 1GZ. With wiring harness? You everything. Computers, harness, all accessories, all exhaust, trans, everything shipped to your door. 50K miles. Do you want to buy that or buy a chassis? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we not can, at this point. I, I will put it in your name, and we can make the motor <laughs> call V12. Some someday I will probably GZ swap something just because I love it, but not today. And obviously that's a, a four-speed auto that comes with it, but you could put a manual on it. So that's what we we do. we could buy a really really terrible Diablo. Oh God, no! No, I, I would want to do it in an SC for sure. That'd be really cool in SC. Or, or or something older like a Cressida that'd be cool too, but that'd be really cool. Ah, oh, Crown, a Kujira Crown, be perfect. Oh, there's got to be something even better. Like do it in like a do you know a rear wheel drive Corolla or something? Do you know what cool. a Kujira Crown I is? I do not. You, you put up on the screen, grab. Ryan, and do you think it. I have any idea how to spell any of these I things? I can spell it for you. Kujira okay. is K U J I R A, and then Crown is spelled Crown. Yeah, I figured the second half out. It's the large body Toyota from the 1970s. Okay, that would be if it had something that looked like that. Yeah, with a 1GZ in it. And then you can also get it in a sedan or a wagon. Oh man, that would be super cool. And they were sold in America in very limited quantities. But there's, I, I bet you Brian could get us one of these GZs for even less. Oh, I'm sure. These are already in the country. 
Man, we need to talk to Brian. Oh, uh, no, would, we, we shouldn't actually. I would actually do that with a cross set because that's cheaper than doing a 2J swap. These, oh my god, dude. These are. I gotta stop looking at this. Send, <laughs> nope, no GZs. No send GZs. Me, send me that nope, link. Nope. <laughs> never. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> We should end the episode on that note that we should not be putting GZs in anything. No, we got we got more we got more stuff. We still have more stuff. Yeah, oh look God. at the next page. I, I forgot it goes on to the next page. Yeah, 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 yeah. All we're right, not we're not done yet. Uh, we got two more things. Right. Yes, I forgot about this. Or three, three things. I didn't see this one. Yes, yeah, so I, I just had this. I just oh. added that one. Oh, we can um, add that to the next episode. Oh, actually, no, we can't. The next one is all Patreon. Yes, that next episode is on Patreon. Hey, thanks for blowing it for everyone. Now nobody's gonna want to listen. Anyway. Ouch! Patreon you know, stuff is good stuff. You know those? Well, no, no then you don't know what to expect. You just you blew the surprise. What? You blew the surprise of the episode. On what? Now people are gonna know what to expect. What if it ends up not being Patreon? Well, it's just, just us babbling so back and forth looking now. for uh, just do your story. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, stupid twentieth twenty inch rims with a spell of the Z oh, on the yeah. CT on the Civic Type R. Uh, yes, I do. Did you know that they weigh more than a Honda Odyssey wheel? What size Honda Odyssey wheel? Like the 18 or whatever the, whatever the hell's on the Honda Odyssey. Well, of course I think they it's, do. it's, it's actually, a 20 it's, inch rim. Yeah, but they, they made them for better performance. No. No, it's just like the Focus RS. If you downsize, you're going to get way better performance. And that's it. actually what uh, everybody's doing. Um, I think that the. Well, they've. I forgot what it was. So there was a publication from Europe that put 18s on a Civic Type R. And they actually tracked us and they go. Oh, this is perfect. Way better. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, it was Jalopnik had an article about it, and apparently uh, Desmond, the company that makes the Rega Master. Um, wow, what a great name. It's a really cool wheel, too. <laughs> they put a set of 18-inch uh, Rega Master Evos onto a Civic Type R. It was two inches smaller. Looks perfect. And now you got this fat sidewall, and you can actually drive over a pothole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so, it's probably also more comfortable, faster, probably goes around the track better. It's about five pounds lighter. Overall? Or no, per corner? Per corner. Holy God. Yeah. So, okay, so the moment of inertia and the unspun yeah. weight change. I, it, it's a massive change in that the and is very significant. Yeah, that's huge. Oh, my lanta. Not only that, another thing that a lot of people don't really consider when you're at a racetrack and yeah. you go over one of the rumble strips and you the have, curves. yeah, uh, and you have the um, 20s, the 20s rims. with like the the 15 series sidewall or whatever they have, <laughs> nothing for a sidewall. Rubber bands, yo. All that, vi- all those bumps are going to be transferred straight directly. into your wheel bearing. Now your wheel bearing, your suspension. Both. That's yeah, they well, kill the wheel, the wheel bearing sucks, but I mean, if the suspension is actually going to affect your handling immediately. Yeah, but the wheel bearing is also going to make you have to replace a wheel bearing. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about immediately at a racetrack. Why yeah. an 18 is better. Same thing. Uh, Dude, people have to replace wheel bearings all the time when they're making love to curves all day. That's true. But <laughs> the, um, no, with, with the 18, you're actually have that sidewall that's going to absorb those vibrations, and yeah. that's going to make your car handle better. Like, it's just, that's a fact of life. True. And yeah, that's true. in real life driving on an actual road, if you drive a car with twenties and you drive a car with eighteens, the eighteens are gonna be so much more compliant. Because every single time you hit a you hit like a bump in the road or a pothole or something, or yeah. not even a pothole, those little lines they have on the highway for like when oh, the concrete expands. Yeah. Like those little things. The Fiat doesn't like those. Yeah. Yeah. If you have 
20s on your car, you're that will actually upset your handling it's in a, a tram line, man. That's gonna make that's gonna upset you in a corner. Whereas, yeah, I'm 18 upset in a corner. Yeah, whereas an 18 will not do that. So yeah, that those are stupid. You should put 18s on your car. 20s have no purpose on anything put other than Lamborghini. Put the smallest wheel that will clear your brakes and put the best tire on it. There you go. Yes, not only that. I think I feel like the rule of thumb here should be no sidewall smaller than a 30 series. E, on any car. I think even 35. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think 35. I was. What's the... on the Lamborghini, Lamborghini Jim Jameson's car behind me? I don't know. We'd have to go look. I think I think it's a 335, 30. The 345 somethings on the back. Yeah, like those are like the absolute smallest tires. I would you I would never go smaller as small as that. Yeah, those I are already an inch bigger. I think the the proxies, the 335. I think those are That's 335, yeah. 30, 18, or 35, 18. Yeah, those are much better tire, and it's actually got sidewall. Yeah, mainly a the little sidewall. Bit of sidewall. Also, story on that. Notice they're finally silver. Yeah, finally. Those, uh, yeah, that was so a, I brought them there, gloss black. Fact. I went to pick them up. They were new gloss black instead of silver, <laughs> so I had them redo them. Uh, now they're silver, but now I'm missing like three or four wheel bolts, and I'm missing three valve stems. I can still get those from Lamborghini, but they are ridiculously expensive. So you're going to get them from them? No. Why? Because they said that the other valve stems were like corroded, so they had to destroy That's them fair. to get them out. Okay, of them. fine. And like some of the bolts were just missing, which is fine. I don't know. I didn't check the cup because they came disassembled. Okay, and oh, whoever okay. took them apart did a terrible job, and they must have lost them. Well, Jen Jameson isn't really much of a mechanic. No, I don't think she was doing this. That's the thing. But either way, uh, they're silver, but they're still probably like. Five or six hundred dollars in hardware away from getting tires mounted and getting back on the car. You should probably ask her and see if she has them. DM her on like Twitter. Yes. Hey, like, I own your own your old Lamborghini. Do you still have any of the stuff off of it? That's a totally acceptable <laughs> thing to DM somebody about. I actually would do that. I know you would. I won't be doing that. Do you so. want me? Do you want me to? No, hit no her up I'm on good. Instagram? I'm good. Thank you. I'm gonna hit her up on Instagram. God. Anyway, I want to talk about a complete idiot in a CUV. That I think this happened over the last week. Uh, so we all hate crossovers. <laughs> uh, this guy, I can't even tell if that's an X1 or an X3. I think it's an X3. But this thing, oh, screw you, Jalopnik. Uh, this thing hit one of those, like, uh, you know, the metal rails that you run into to keep you from flying off the edge of something. Yeah. So they have those at the beginning of some tunnel and bridge abutments or whatever to keep you from smashing into a concrete wall. Well, this guy used it, but differently. Also, wow. I hate you, Jalopnik. We it, just missed the whole thing. Thanks, Jalopnik. I take back everything nice to say about George. Boom. Jesus. <laughs> he hit the top. So he launches it. <laughs> Props to him. He hits it straight in the middle, so he flies straight. <laughs> then the right front corner of the X3 hits the top of the tunnel opening and corkscrews this thing into the left lane in the he, tunnel. He also turned on his hazards. The car does it automatically in Europe, which this might have been in Europe. Oh. I, I don't actually know where this was. Um, but yeah, this guy is an Slovakia, idiot. by the way. This person's an idiot. Yes. Also, look how intact that thing still is. Yeah, it did really well. Also, yeah. it's Slo- Slovakia, it says there, okay. like everywhere. Slav. Oh, yeah, 44-year-old Slovakian man. But uh, yeah, don't buy a CUV. And if you do, do exactly that. Yeah, just take it off the road by doing that. So, there you go. Okay, so... Um... All right, where, where are we at? Uh, we slide 10 minutes episode. This will um, be fine. We're not even at the... 
Yeah, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the recording time right here. Uh, I don't want your. Oh my. Okay, what's? I... Really? I can't read this without a subscription. That's dumb. Click the button around it. Click around it. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, screw you. Go on NPR. Oh, oh, ah. Wait, if I if I reload it, we could probably read it line by line. <laughs> All right, there anyway. it is. Traffic's uh, up oh, now. Nah. I'm just to tell you right now. Okay, fine. I'm not even so, going to screen grab this because uh, I don't want to give them that. In the state of Minnesota, there's now precedence to say that a um, small crack here in windshield is not uh, cause to get be pulled over. So it's not a primary anymore? It's no longer a primary cause for being pulled over. Um, Good. Yeah, because I remember being pulled over for that garbage. And in high school. Stupid. Yeah. And it's like, like I bro. Get, your plow dumped like 15 tons of gravel on the street in front of me, and it's been cracked for two weeks while there's a three-week backlog of other people in the glass shop taking care of the same thing. Well, I was saying more like, yeah, I've got a cracked windshield. Hey, what about this person speeding with their lights off at midnight? It, you're not yes. going to do anything about that person. Anyway. Well, what so, about the murder happening over here? Yeah, what are you exactly. going to do about that? Find a real crime. Um, we can agree on this. But the, <laughs> all right, so the story of how this happened, though, was hilarious. Yes. Okay. A man was, um, he was arrested for drunk driving because the cop pulled him over for having a cracked windshield. And then he said, oh, also, you weren't wearing a seatbelt as well, which is true. And then they breathalyzed him, and he blew a .175, which is over A little over that, the limit. That's a little bit over double the legal limit. In Minnesota, it's .08. And this guy point blew a one seven five. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a nice round fraction. Exactly. It's <laughs> so um, yeah. He obviously gets jail time. He appeals in court, and the judge is hilarious, saying, "You know what? You're right. They should not have pulled you over for that. However, you were also way too drunk to be on the road. We're not throwing this out. But hey, now you've made a precedence for the rest of the state of Minnesota. For good, so good for you. My uh, my lawyer." Um, who actually referred to a friend who got pulled over in a similar situation like this. Yeah. She had had two drinks over the course of three hours at Excelsior Brewing. Yeah. They left to go back to Plymouth. The uh, the cop pulled her over for not using a turn signal, which the cruiser footage later showed she did use a turn signal where necessary. And it actually got completely thrown out because of this. Oh, Awesome. Because she should never have been pulled over because there was no issue. Yeah. But she's a tiny chick. So I had two beers at Excelsior. She got breathalyzed and blew like .085 or something like that. Oh, my God. It Yeah. So I had to pick these guys up at like 1 a.m. in Excelsior. It's one of the like the names that comes on your phone at late night. Like, you answer it because yeah. you're curious. But it was it was like a two-year ordeal to get it sorted out. But like I, I love it when there's something that shouldn't be a primary that is a primary that turns into something else, and it gets eventually thrown out because it shouldn't have been pulled over in the first place. Yep, that was I had a, a no incorrect driving and all that kind of stuff. So I, I had a uh, street racing ticket that was like that, which I was not street racing, obviously. But of course um, not. that would be ridiculous. No, of course not. Uh, but no, the cop pulled me over from having an object in my mirror. I had a necklace hanging from my mirror. Allegedly, I for no, I did. But I'd forgotten to take it off the mirror because I took it off when I was working on my car. Um, and so I wore it to court and I showed the judge. I'm like, this is the actual necklace. He goes, there's no way he saw that from the road. I'm like, oncoming traffic at 1 a.m. on 494, no way. 
did he see that stupid little necklace? And I took it off immediately. I told him, hey, I'm sorry. I put it up there when I was working on my car. I forgot. And I got everything thrown out. Not only did it get thrown out, the judge also uh, na- or gave like a Jewish mother nagging to the police officer for being a <laughs> dick. Good. Which was... Quit being a prick. <clears throat> that was better than actually having the case thrown out. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll take the fine as long as you chew him out right in front of me here. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I said to the judge was... Hey, I'm sorry. I am a 22-year-old kid with a clean driving record that happens to own a 1991 Honda Civic, and I was driving it on a Saturday night in St. Paul. So obviously, I must be a street racer. Yep. And so I'm like, <laughs> you've just profiled me because of my car that I drive. Yep. Yep. Like, are you going to pull over every old lady that drives a W body because she might be a drug dealer? And he goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Probable cause. Yeah, my foot. Yeah, there's no probable cause at all there. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, that that was uh, my story and something thrown out. That was good. I like it. Uh, one last thing before we leave. Uh, <coughs> speaking of my like super ricer uh, story that I had earlier, I found a really interesting Instagram. Over Is the it Jen Jameson's? Week. No, it's Craig Lieberman underscore 42. Uh, Lieberman with one N. He is the guy that did the cars for the first two Fast and Furious movies. Oh, interesting. So, you know the Supra and that weirdo Maxima that's in it? Yeah, And the R34? Those three cars were all his. And the Maxima was actually added in because Leon wasn't supposed to be in the cast. He shouldn't have been. Well, he was literally added in at the last second because Vince's actor refused to act without Leon being in it. Really? No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, Leon's car is way cooler than Vince's. Yeah, so... Because Leon had an R32, right? And also, uh, same thing with Letty. Letty was not supposed to be in the script at all. And well, that's kind of important to the series. No, it, it, be, it became important, but uh, no, she was... That was during casting. Letitia Ortiz? Yeah. They actually they had time to actually like write her into the story. But uh, no, so Leon uh, kind of bum-rushed his way into the series, and so his car originally was not going to be... He wasn't going to be in the movie at all. It was going to be four people that were going to be in Dominic's main crew. And then okay. Leon got added in. So at the 11th hour, they had to scramble to find an extra car. And so I Craig's see. like, uh, this is my daily driver. And they go, that's super cool. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Road's closed, pizza boy. Find another yeah, way so, home. <clears throat> well, I should show it to her there. And that's actually his I thought we were talking driver. about Leon. Leon drove a uh, R32. Uh, R- Vince, R33. Vince drove a Maxima. Oh, sorry. Vince's car. So, yeah, Leon got what was supposed to be Vince's car, and Vince got Leon's car. Yeah, put that a little bit closer. So, that Maxima. Anyway, that's actually from... Did it actually have the front bumper uh, exhaust exit on it? And the stuff? rear bumper exhaust exit? It was front. No, front it was rear. Front wheel. It's right there. You can see it right there behind the rear wheel. All right, fine. But anyway, yes, really? it did. Oh, it was actually functional. Are and those it was uh, TSW a- trophy wheels? Yes. Oh. And it was actually supercharged and still automatic. I remember the burnout scene leaving the... Uh... Yeah. So did he neutral drop it then? Because it like revs up in the movie. Yeah, he did. So he actually... Oh, man. It, it was actually in that picture I showed you. Because he, he, he did all the sound edit- editing, too, for mm-hmm. all the cars. So in that car, when he recorded it, he did a neutral drop. And then it shifted in the second gear, so he had to slam it into D1 to get it to downshift back in the first to continue the burnout. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So there was that. Um, and then also on that orange Supra in it, that was, yeah. a, that was his show car. Um, okay. 
<laughs> that the graphics that were on it, he had actually done before the show. He did it for himself, but they're white vinyl, but the white vinyl was airbrushed over. It was $3,000 for that door graphic. Not worth it. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but, I mean, it was really cool. That's the one part of the that era of, of car modification I'm not really a fan of. Yeah, no. Is I, the graphics. The, the graphics were pretty awful. Oh, and then that um, the Sneaky Pete, the uh, nitro the system underneath yeah. uh, Tretto's car. That was actually separate from the car originally. Um, but when they made it, it was a completely functional Sneaky Pete kit. And that sold uh, a couple of years ago on eBay for like $4,000. The actual kit? The actual Sneaky Pete in the RX-7 seat from that from that movie. I noticed on my van, my seats pull up in the back. So there's little storage areas underneath the seats in my van. My electric Fiat also has that kind of thing. But you don't have, a, you don't have an internal combustion engine. It can benefit from nitrous oxide. What if I have a generator That's to true. power the car? Then I can put nitrous on the generator. Those Stinky Peets do about 30 horsepower. You can totally do a dry shot without having to worry about blowing anything up. But in the movie, it like warped space-time. It did, but there's no <laughs> way it'll do that in real life. <laughs> I was thinking about putting a Stinky Pete in my van. I think that's going to be our bombshell. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we may or may not have a uh, update on the Motor Cult blog about me putting a Stinky Pete into the And then subsequently mold. throwing a rod because of knock. No, no, it'll be They're running eighty-seven octane and a dry shot of nitrous on a Mazda it's a five. It's a thirty shot. It's a thirty shot. I understand, dry shot of Ryan, nitrous. but it's the EFI takes time. To it's totally compensate. fine. You put the dry shot in front of the mass air or the the mass airflow sensor. It'll be fine. Anyway, we may or may not be blowing up the mobile podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Catch you guys next week.